1: This episode was brought to you by Body. Welcome to The Shit Show.
0: Welcome to the world of the media.
1: Kia everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Shit Show, and today we don't have Lucy, but we do have
2: Liv. Hello, long time no see, I mean not that we see each other, but no listening. No, I know,
1: we're looking at each other through our Zoom call and it's very cute. Liv yeah. and I have never done a solo, well, never done a podcast together.
2: Well, we have, but not just the two of us.
1: Not just the two of us. And normally Lucy's really the one that kind of carries- Not carries the not chat, carries but like- us, But like, you know, <laughs> kind of. Anyway, we don't have Lucy today and we're very sorry that she isn't here, but we're gonna power on through. And before Liv gets into what our topic is today, we are experiencing a few technical difficulties. So if Liv's mic is not crystal clear, nice and crisp, then that is why, but no drums.
2: Yes, I do apologize, but hopefully it will be all right. Um, So, Rooves, today we are talking about imposter syndrome. Yes, we
1: are.
2: Yeah, it's been getting quite a bit of mainstream coverage over the last couple of
1: years, which is a good thing. I know, all of a sudden it seems like everybody is talking
2: about it. I know, it's just everywhere. I'm always seeing it on my feed. So I thought that we should kind of delve into it and um, we'll start off with kind of what imposter syndrome is and maybe a bit of the psychology behind it. Then Rubes is gonna go into
1: how we can combat
2: imposter syndrome because it's such a common thing to experience.
1: Exactly, and of course we'll weave our own little personal experiences in among the way.
2: So here's the story folks.
1: So Liv, do you want to give us a little bit of a definition on what imposter syndrome is?
2: Yes. So there were a couple of definitions, but I found this one was pretty concise. So the Harvard Business Review defined imposter syndrome as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Yeah. So if we break this down, it's basically the feeling of being a fraud when you're in a position Of I don't know whether it's a job or a role or a place in your life even though you have all the experience and the qualifications to do a really good job you just feel like someone's gonna come along and be like hey you're not supposed to be here you are not qualified.
1: Yeah and I feel like a lot of people also attribute it to "Oh, I'm just lucky.
2: Oh a hundred percent or just like you know the stars aligned someone I knew someone that had this position, so that's why I got the job, whatever. We talk it down. We talk our achievements down.
1: Yeah, as if you didn't get there on your own merit, which obviously you did. You're not getting a job because you're lucky. You're getting a job because you fit the role and I think you have the best experience.
2: 100%. So imposter syndrome is pretty fucking common. Like 70% of people have experienced this kind of fraudulent feeling at some point in their lives. But for some people... It's really, really bad. Like, it's the underlying thing of everything that they do, which can make life really hard.
1: Yeah, it's very, like, self-sabotage-like. It's, it's pretty
2: interwoven with anxiety, I think. Like, it's the same co- sort of concept. Your brain's trying to protect you. And really it's just like fucking up things for you, which which really sucks. Um, it's actually not a diagnosable illness like anxiety or depression, but more of a way of thinking. It will be interesting to see whether in the future that is something that happens, whether it gets into the DSM, um, which is the kind of like mental health disorder book that psychologists use but yeah yeah, I don't know quite interesting I also found that it doesn't necessarily equate with low self-esteem or a lack of confidence but then sometimes it does so which you'd think it would
1: yeah I, I would think it would because I think people who are more confident in themselves I would think they would be more confident in their ability and in where they are in life
2: And it's funny you say that because it's actually the most high achieving people that imposter syndrome kind of is shown in the most, like targets the most. Interesting.
1: And do you know any of the like psychology behind why that happens?
2: Yes, Ruth. I can tell you a little bit of the psychology behind this phenomenon. So through the psychological papers that I was reading, there's a massive link with Imposter syndrome and perfectionism. Um, There's also a huge link with the fear of success, which is called the Horner effect.
1: Yeah, well, I read that it affects women and minority groups disproportionately to the way that it affects men. And that it affects people more who have that pressure to accomplish, you know, firsts. You know, they're the first woman to be maybe in this boardroom or they're the first black person to be you know accepted into the school or something like that and they have all this pressure on them so you're much more likely to be like oh i don't deserve to be here because nobody else thinks i am
2: well that's the thing like imagine i wonder if like barack obama had this
1: he must have i mean there's a huge amount of pressure on him when he came into that role as the first african-american man to be the president of the united states
2: but then maybe he's sort of like you know, we've deserved this for so long that I'm not even gonna let myself have those self-doubting feelings.
1: I hope he's like that because that is the truth. But that is the thing with imposter syndrome is that you're not necessarily thinking about the actual truth.
2: Well, that's the thing. So with this link between perfectionism and imposter syndrome, what happens is that people that, you know, hold themselves to a really, really high standard when they're thinking about how good they need to be at a certain job or role, like their standard is just way too high that, you know, anyone else looking in from the outside would be like, you're really good at your job. Say you're performing to like 90% or whatever, but someone who struggles with perfectionism will be like, I'm only doing well if I'm at like this 95 to 100% level.
1: Which often wouldn't be like humanly possible
2: well no that's the thing like we're holding ourselves or you know the people suffering are holding themselves to this ridiculously high bar that you just can't get to all the time and therefore you just feel like you're not meant to be in this position because you can't do it perfectly at all points of the role you know which is just ridiculous we would never hold someone else to such a high standard that we hold ourselves and I think this is where imposter syndrome really comes in
1: no definitely it's like you're completely undermining yourself and your expertise by comparing it to like yeah what your idea of like perfection is
2: yeah exactly and it's actually interesting because I was thinking about this in terms of not even like you know a job or whatever but more in terms of just life in general and I think that this is what happens with social media as well. You know, we're shown the highlight reels of everyone's lives as we keep talking about with Instagram. And therefore people, you know, are starting to feel like imposters in their own lives, which is so fucked up. If you're putting your best shit online for everyone to see and this is like the version of yourself that you're portraying, then you look at yourself in everyday life and you're like, I'm not even the person that I'm conveying myself to be and therefore you feel an imposter in like your own body which is so fucked up.
1: Yeah, and like also you're only seeing the the best version of everyone else. You're not seeing all the shit that they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, fuck, my real self is not like the version of them that I'm seeing. So like, I'm not good enough. And this is how I got elected by being off script. Just
2: to go a little bit more in depth into what imposter syndrome is. I found that there are actually three defining features of the syndrome. So the first feeling is that other people have an inflated perception of your own abilities. So I think this is pretty self-explanatory in the fact that say, okay, say Ruby was an artist and she did this picture and I thought it was amazing and I was going around telling everyone like, oh my God, Ruby's so good at art. If Ruby had imposter syndrome, she'd probably think to herself, Liv thinks I'm way better at art than I am. Um, So that's the kind of first defining feature. The second defining feature is the fear that your true abilities will be found out. So, you know, this is if Ruby took her art to a gallery. And then on the opening day, you know, everyone walked in and then saw the piece of art and was suddenly going to be like, that's so shit.
1: I feel like that is such like a common one, you know, like you get a job and you're sitting there like Fuck, when are people going to realise that I am not as good as I said I was, you know, I totally exaggerated in my interview. They're going to figure out I suck at everything and they're going to fire me. Wow,
0: that's going to be a great story.
1: The third defining feature
2: is a persistent tendency to attribute your successes to external factors such as luck or like a disproportionate amount of effort. So. You know, it's when you go into an exam and you did really well, but you were kind of like, oh, well, so-and-so helped me so much. You know, I'm going to attribute it to that. Or the question was just exactly what I happened to study. So, like, I would have failed if it was something else.
1: Mm. And I feel like this is, like, an important – there's an important distinction between that and somebody who always says – oh, nah, I did so bad, like, oh, I know I'm, I, like, would have done awfully and knows yeah. that they're going to do well. Like, exactly. there's a difference between those type of people and people who are, like, oh, nah, like, I got that A, but I totally didn't deserve it, like, I was just super lucky that I studied the right thing.
2: So, yeah, that's sort of, like, the, you know, a very brief rundown of the science behind it. You can go and look it up if you're more interested And obviously we are not experts in any way, shape or form, but that's kind of the very, very brief rundown of what imposter syndrome is.
1: No, that was super interesting. And I think also, now that you've explained it more, the fact that there was only, you said before, 70% of people that feel that way. Like, to me, that sounds almost like a really low statistic because I feel like those feelings of self-doubt, like those feelings are just everywhere. So before we get into our own little personal stories of imposter syndrome, let's hear from this week's sponsor. Loose, do you know what I hate? What do you hate, Robs? Pads. They're so uncomfortable, they always leak, and they just shit for the planet. And to be honest, I hate tampons because you have to change them so often and buy so fucking many. So many. Well. Do you know what fixes all of these problems? Enlighten me. Moddy body. It's literally just underwear that absorbs your period. So bloody simple. Like, why didn't I think of that? Literally, and it's so much better for the environment. Honestly, I hate to think about the amount of waste that goes to landfills just because we get our periods. Did you know disposables can take up to 800 years to break down in a landfill? That's fucking crazy. Moddy body is the new way to period super comfortable and holds up to 10 tampons worth of liquid so you really can just go with the flow if you want some of these bad boys use the code shitshow15 it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax
0: and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. To
1: get 15% off your own pair of Māori body underwear today. Thanks Māori body.
2: So Rooves, I know that we have both talked about our own personal experiences with Imposter syndrome between the two of us. So would you kind of like to go into some of the shit that you struggle with in terms of imposter syndrome?
1: So recently I got a new job and this is kind of my first proper job, I guess you could say. Like we would love to be able to do shit you should care about full time, but financially it's not really something that we're able to do. And I think when you're in university you're so acutely aware of how hard it is to get a job. Mm. Like They
2: drill it into you.
1: Yes, and the fact that, you know, it's no longer good enough if you just have a degree. You've got to get your postgraduate and you've got to have all this volunteer experience and you've got to have an internship and you just constantly feel like you're not doing enough and it just, it really makes you scared about getting a job and so somehow I got this job and I know that I got it because they liked me and they liked my experience but I can't help but think why am I here when I know that there were a whole bunch of other people who really wanted this job and probably had a damn well more experience and could have done just as good of a job as I am but yet I'm here And I'm just waiting for my boss to turn around and be like, "We might have hired the wrong person. Like, this person is just not doing as well as she could. And, which I know is, like, ridiculous. Being able to
2: sort of, like, see it from more of an outsider's point of view. Like, Rubes has a degree. She did a diploma. She's got all this experience. And then I just remember we went for a walk and Ruby was just like, there's just no way I'm going to get a job. I've never been an
1: admin. <laughs> like, I, I, was I, was like I was aiming for an admin role because I thought that, and I didn't even think that I was going to get that. I know, it's literally ridiculous. And, but I think that's like your inner fears coming out, that you're just not
2: good enough. Oh my God, it's um, actually Mindy Kaling from The Office, who we all know and love. She tweeted in 2014, why the fuck not me should be your motto.
1: Yeah, that is so true.
2: It's so true, but like, I think both of us are definitely guilty of being like, why me? Why is it me that they've chosen for something good? Why am I worth this? Whereas we should just be like, well, why not? Like, I can do it.
1: Another thing that I also really struggle with is she you should care about. I mean, we've been doing this for like two and a half years. Some people that I have friendships with have no idea that I do shit you should care about. Because I still struggle to take credit for it.
2: Even though you've literally been working full time on it for months.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and sometimes when I voice it, I'm like, oh, that's so dumb. But I still really struggle to talk about it. And when people congratulate me about it, I don't know what to say. Because I'm like, yeah, it is cool. But like, I work with really cool and talented people who have carried it and I'm just lucky to be there and I know that that's ridiculous but like that is truly sometimes my response
2: I think you really are someone that struggles with imposter syndrome like I've never really thought that's
1: turned into like a,
2: a like a therapy section session. <laughs> no but I I definitely do as well I definitely do yeah. I think maybe oh, in definitely. slightly slightly different ways to you but yeah
1: how how do you experience imposter syndrome Olivia uh, to be honest
2: shit you care about is is a big one for me as well especially this year because obviously you guys probably don't even recognize my voice and that's because I've been studying all year full-time and it's just too hard to do the podcast and yeah you've been working your ass off which I've been doing so I can get the skills for shit you should care about which is awesome but then it kind of makes me feel like I don't really know what's going on and then people will come up to me you know at parties or whatever and be like oh my god you know the stuff you're doing is so awesome and it's like my first reaction is, yeah, but I'm I'm not that involved. Like the, like, the other girls are doing way more work than me. And I just kind of try and pass it off onto you guys. Like, yeah, they're working so hard. You know, like, I don't want to, yeah. I just feel so guilty yeah. taking any of that credit.
1: It's ridiculous when I hear that because we all made it together. So I see it just as much as yours as it is mine. But yeah, from the other side, I totally understand.
2: You can totally see, yeah, like that's the thing. We can both see each other's. I think that's a fucked up thing. Like you can never be objective about your own life. Like we just, and imposter syndrome is totally, you know, something that really highlights that. So this year I've been studying and I got some good grades back from my last assignments. And they were both collaboration assignments. So it was just me and one other person. And when I got them back, I just literally thought, oh, well, it was all the other person. Like, even though I know that I did a lot of work and I know that it wouldn't have been the same without my input, I just can't help but think, oh, no, well, my partner was just amazing. That's why I got a good grade.
1: Yeah. And, like, of course, it's not because of that. Yeah. But 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 that's what you think. That is imposter syndrome.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a very mundane, everyday example that we can all relate to.
1: Absolutely. Well, should we get into how you can actually combat imposter syndrome? Yes, absolutely, Rubes. Could you give us some tips? I sure can. I just have some short and sharp tips for how you can overcome imposter syndrome. And this is very much something that I can, too, like apply to my own life and you know, we can be our own little guinea pigs and how we can actually own our successes a little bit more. Why the fuck not? So number one, own your accomplishments. So this is, I feel like this is kind of like, yeah, yeah, like we get it. But I think it's such like, there's no going to be like easy fix. It's such like a mindset and you really need to do the work to like change the way you're thinking. So this is definitely something that I struggle with owning my accomplishments and I think I really downplay my accomplishments or attribute it to someone else but really like owning your successes and being able to talk about them and verbalize them to other people and when people bring them up to you, you don't just brush them off, you actually like own it. So that is a huge thing and what we kind of talked about before but definitely something to practice another one is visualizing your success so imagine yourself killing it in that job interview that you've got or in this presentation that you might have imagine doing it really well or getting an A in that assignment that you're working for so this is actually a tactic that they teach to military recruitments and to help them actually visualize how they're going to handle a situation before it happens like if you're a bit like me I always prepare for the worst and I tell myself that this is like protecting myself from like the worst when it happens you know like I'm like oh I've prepared myself for the worst so it won't be as bad but I think this is actually like a really bad mindset to get yourself into because I think once you start thinking that way enough you're actually going to start believing it like oh no I did so bad on that test like I'm going to fail. And it's like, well, if you start thinking that enough, you're probably going to actually start believing it. So instead of going into it thinking you're going to do really badly, go into it thinking you're going to smash it. And I think, you know, you can positively manifest that shit. So start visualizing those successes. Following on from that one, deciding to be confident. So again, speaking up putting yourself outside of your comfort zone so another little analogy about myself because I can't get enough um in my last relationship we kind of studied similar things and he was just always so confident about all of his results and his job interviews and everything and honestly it used to baffle me and that's not because I thought that he wasn't good enough for any of that like he was but it was because I could never be that confident or never felt like I could be that confident about anything even if I went and really prepared for something like coming out I would never be able to be like yeah I absolutely smashed that and I don't I I truly think it's something you have to fake until you make because sometimes confidence doesn't come naturally so you've just got to like kind of pretend and then eventually you'll just be like yeah fuck yeah I can do it my second to last one is identifying people around you who are gonna advocate for you and support you so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to find people who believe in you and are gonna push those negative thoughts away because like this is not something that you should be experiencing especially if you are totally qualified you know you don't deserve to be feeling this way that you're not worthy of where you are in your life and I mean the thing is like they're probably feeling the same way and if they told you that you would think they're crazy for feeling it so I think it's so important to like vocalize it to people who you know have your back and so they can help you through those feelings.
2: I think that's such a relevant point because I think a lot of people kind of work to the expectations around them. Mm. I know I'm definitely someone like that. So, like, if the people around me, they have confidence in me, then I'll have confidence in myself. But if they don't have any confidence in me, I find it really, really difficult to then come up and be like, no, actually, I'm really fucking good at this. Like, watch me sort of thing. I just can't. I find that really hard. Of
1: course. Like, so you've got to surround yourself by... I mean easier said than done but you've got to surround yourself Mm. with people who are gonna hype you up and my final tip is to celebrate your wins and do this by telling your parents telling your friends your colleagues whenever you do something that you're proud of and write them all down so you can refer back to them when you are feeling not worthy that was something that I came across a lot was like writing everything down so you can be like oh like maybe I'm not feeling great today but look what I've done in the past and like look what I know that I'm really good at and other people know that I'm good at
2: that's actually it actually works I remember one year I did just a little good thing that happened every day and like honestly my mood changed so much even though it feels Mm. fucking awkward at first to like you know write to yourself or whatever but you do get used to it
1: it's those self-affirmations mm-hmm 100% so that is the podcast for today Liv thank you so much for joining me
2: Hey, no worries. I cannot wait till we can do this in real life.
1: I know. Liv's on her summer break now, so hopefully we'll be hearing a lot more of her.
2: Yes, we definitely will be. I'll make it a thing. But
1: other than that, I hope you enjoyed the episode. As you know, we're not experts, but definitely a topic that we wanted to discuss and kind of dive into a little bit more. But if you want to hear more from us, go to our Instagram at SheSheCareAbout and Our podcast Instagram, which is the Shit Show with a bunch of underscores.
2: So you can also find us on our website at shityoushouldcareabout.com and the Shit You Should Care About Squad on Facebook.
1: Woohoo! Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Lots of love.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.